What's up, athletes? Welcome to Take the Stage, Episode 1, our podcast where we shine the spotlight on a community member of the Supernatural family. I am PJ. I'm Wookie. And our guest and this I'm week is... I'm Diver Lowe. Start that over. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. No, we're going to share our mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super psyched to be here, guys. This is awesome. I'm super psyched to have you. I'm super psyched to be awake. <laughs> now recording oh that sounds very serious <laughs> very official we are now recording he's just a robot they won't rise up for at least another 30 years so. what right. hope <laughs> so well, i don't know in my is... house they're all getting together and already planning their revolution gonna <laughs> <laughs> be nice so Laura, this is my brother, Wookie. Wookie, this is Laura. Hey. Hello, Wookie. Nice to meet you. Real name's Josh, but... Hi, Josh. Wookie, Wookie. Hey. <laughs> um, and tell me if I need to come in and out of the microphone at all. I can't hear myself now because uh, we're done with the test thing phase, so... Oh, <laughs> you're fine. Okay, cool. So, I have the rough outline of this all written up and stuff, but we'll kind of play it by ear. It's all good. I'm just kind of happy to play along. That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'll be. I'll, I'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to be once a month or twice a month. I think I can do twice a month tops with my editing schedule. So <laughs> that makes see, sense. See what happens. But what I figure is, um, we can start out with like supernatural talk, but it's mainly to focus on the community member, which is you tonight. So. Kind of the focus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've just been super pleased with Supernatural. It really came along at just the right time for me. And um, <clears throat> as I'm already pretty immersed in the virtual reality space, um, it was very easy, uh, very easy to slide into. And it was so much different than pretty much all the other rhythm games um, that I was kind of hooked almost instantly. <laughs> yeah. And or the uh, exercise ones. Yeah, and, I've played a lot of them. And, uh, you know, I keep coming back to Supernatural. That That's just, I mean, I was, I was, I tried um, to stick with uh, some of the others. I mean, um, like Box VR or VR Box, VR Fit. Um, what else have I done? I don't know, just tons of them. And it was always like, oh, that was a, you know, a dance collider. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. but then for some reason it was never sticky, never sticky, like supernatural. And as we all know, with a fitness routine, it has to be sticky. Yeah. And I think the community has done a lot, uh, a lot was a large part of that. Um, <clears throat> first off putting real people and just the engagement level of the coaches, um, is very different from anything else I've seen. And that I think is a there's really definitely something about seeing a person in, in the virtual space that adds to it. And I think they just came up with a really good um, base. You know, the base concept was solid. Mm -hmm. Do you ever in the warmups when they're doing squats and stuff and they're like looking you right in the eye, that's, it's still every once in a while kind of weirds me out. Like you're just staring them in the eye while you're both doing squats or lunges to warm up. <laughs> 
Not, not really. Only when Antonio <laughs> mentioned it. <laughs> oh, it's a staring contest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, don't even start. I'll win every time. I wear contacts, man. My eyes don't dry out. <laughs> I got shields on my eyes. They got superpowers. Yeah, and well, the way you and I actually started talking, I just happened to see in the group chat that you were working on some VR apps, and I'm like, ooh, which ones? And they happen to be underwater stuff. And like Wookie knows me, so he knows like anything underwater I'm into. So uh, anything underwater is wonderful. Yeah. You and I like chatted for a couple hours <laughs> just talking yeah. about that stuff. So absolutely. You had to be the first guest. So oh, well, thank you. <laughs> That's super sweet. So what uh how how are those apps coming? I got you let me try one of them out. Oh yeah, that's neat. um it's moving along. I finally got a PC of my own so that I can um continue work on it. I had to send back uh the loaner um for the uh maritime archaeology simulator, which is um surprisingly excitingly got selected as part of the Oculus Start program. So that will be helpful once it's finally at the distribution phase. Um, yeah. But right now it's really just at the, it's still, it's still at a proof of concept and I've gotten a fair bit of interest from um, different people. Um, I'm working in collaboration with the most amazing creative on the East coast. His name's Evan Kovacs from um, Marine Imaging Technologies and his, his company uh, provides all of the photogrammetry and so he's built, he builds amazing underwater camera systems um, and ROVs for deep, deep, deep water exploration. And he doesn't stop there. He was doing 3D um, filmmaking and photogrammetry work before it was cool. And so he does a lot of the work for um, NOAA and national parks um, and other organizations. And I knew what he did, and I've been. He he built a beautiful, amazing, uh, three sixty array for underwater, like the killer three sixty array. It's a beast for big, deep stuff. It's like for big shipwrecks. It's not for close quarters. And people will see it and they'll be like, "Oh my god, that's huge!" And it's like, <laughs> "Yes, that's huge." But the things he's filming are huge, yeah. and. Um, so he built this array and has been doing this photogrammetry stuff on his own. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I do all this stitching and all this underwater stuff on my end. I think we should collaborate. And so I just pretty much cold called him and said, Evan, I need your photogrammetry and I am offering to do stitching for you. <laughs> and it all worked out. So now whenever he goes out to a site, he does both um, 360 video and um, photogrammetry on the shipwreck or coral heads or whatever they're they're looking at. And then so the dream will be to build out the maritime archaeology simulator in a way that um, divers, uh, scientists, and even just regular people can explore these shipwrecks that uh, very few people ever get to visit. And also do it in a way that's educational and allows them, if they are divers and scientists and uh, maritime researchers, to pre-dive it so they can be um, more adequately prepared when they uh, hit the deck, so to speak. That is crazy. Um, because <laughs> the large part, uh, a large part when you're diving shipwrecks is that it never looks like it does on Sketchfab. You know, <laughs> if you get a model in Sketchfab and you can spin it around and zoom in and look at it. But there's some real interesting things. First off, you can see the whole wreck, right? Well, 
that's not how it is in real life. In real life, you go down there and it's usually very dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can see basically what's in your light and you're not always guaranteed great visibility. In fact, out here where I live, 20 feet of viz is a good day. Um, you know, 10 feet is decent. <laughs> and and so if you imagine you're on a 10, you know, a thousand foot long shipwreck or a 500 foot long shipwreck with a 500 foot debris trail, you can't see very much of it. So when you descend down on these big, deep shipwrecks, a lot of times it takes the first dive just to figure out where you're at. Like everything just looks like a bunch of twisted encrusted metal. And if it's an old shipwreck, like, um, you know, like some something that's going to have amphoras on it, you don't even see the wreck. It doesn't even look like a wreck. It's just rubble. And so you swim around trying to get your bearings for the first dive. And so <clears throat> if we can help uh, scientists and divers get a head start so that they dive it a whole bunch of times virtually ahead of time. And you can set the conditions. You can say, uh, make the haze 10, 10, essentially, uh, approximate to 10 foot visibility or 50 foot visibility. You can actually do like, um, you take information, you know, they can go out and they can do, um, a turbidity test before the dive. Like maybe if I'm going to go dive something in the Mediterranean, but I'm here in the Northwest, I can, I can hit up my friends who are over there and go, Hey Mario, um, what's visibility on your wreck? Your wrecks, you know, do you, what do you, what do you, uh, predict the visibility will be when we're there? And, and we know, I mean, it's just, if, if you have local knowledge, you know, have a pretty good idea of what your visibility is going to be in a generally in a month, you know, time of year. And then he'd say, Oh, you know, 50 feet or a hundred feet. And then I can go into the simulator and dial that haze out to about a hundred feet so that what I see in the simulator is going to be pretty equivalent to what I see underwater. And then the big dream is to make it so that it is uh, multiplayer so that teams can get together from around the world and practice diving together underwater virtually. And they can practice their lighting technique for filming, um, and, and things like that. And then the big dream someday, you know, like the, the stretch goal would be to build something out that is good enough that you could actually capture video from it and make, you know, like samples for, cause that's something that's, you know, missing in some, um, you know, lower budget documentaries is good good CGI. Like you get one CGI model <laughs> that is, you know, repeated about 20,000 times. Yeah. But what if we could, have these photogrammetry scans of all of these wrecks around the world. And if you're doing a documentary, then you license some imagery from our simulator that looks photo real of an yeah. actual, you know, a, 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 you know, a dive on that wreck and it feels real. It looks moderately real. That's you're blowing my mind. <laughs> yeah. So that's just the simulator. That's the yeah. baby. That's the, that's the beginning. Um, and then it will build out hopefully someday to a full gamified experience that goes for, um, you know, more, uh, the more general public with, you know, gamification via fish counts or, Oh, one of the things for the, um, archeologists for the maritime archeologists is that we'll have a training mode. And so you go through each of these debris fields and you find the things that are kind of hard to recognize. If you're not out there regularly, you haven't dove on a lot of wrecks and debris trails. You won't necessarily know what you're looking at. You'll just see un- encrusted stuff. And so, um, 
like that's why people will swim right over the bell of a shipwreck. Like a hundred divers will swim over the bell, but the <laughs> one diver who's got the right eye will see it and be like, Hey, look, there's the bell. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> found it. Um, and so being able to have a training mode where either you um, direct the cursor over something you think might be the bell and either it highlights or it doesn't, or you push a button and all the artifacts highlight so you can see them and start to learn them and start to learn what encrusted stuff on that wreck looks like. <laughs> so all amazing. of that stuff will be, um, you know, incorporated into the experience, hopefully the diving experience. Um, you we know, had like, a swimming pool yeah. growing up and I've been in the ocean twice and that's the extent of my underwater, <laughs> but something in me, loves it so i can't wait for all that to come about yeah it's definitely um very special yeah. i always say it's like returning to the womb because you're being hugged all over <laughs> i, I don't know until we have, so you know I've... until we have good uh <laughs> until we have good um until we have good haptic suits i don't know that yeah. we can fully simulate the feeling of the water all around you but you know we can try yeah <laughs> VR in the bathtub. <laughs> exactly. You know, they're doing a little of it. They're ha they've made waterproof headsets and let people float around in pools with dolphins swimming around. And that seems pretty clever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and so you're in Wisconsin. That's interestingly enough. I have friends there. There's some amazing shipwrecks in your, in, in, in the Midwest, in the lakes. But um, the interesting thing is that's actually, you were asking me about my name, Diver Laura, my uh, mm -hmm. moniker for all this stuff. And that actually came from a program I was working with back in the early 90s um, called Marine Science Afloat Field Trip with Pacific Marine Research. And I was one of their diver scientists or diver educators. And it got its start um, with a program called Uplink to Discovery, where in uh, like 1984, they beamed a diver scientist, they beamed his video up to a satellite and to kids back in the Midwest to a giant pep assembly where the kids could ask questions in real time of the diver and the diver could ask questions of the kids. And it was all displayed on the big, you know, the big screen in the, in the, in the auditorium. Wow. And <laughs> it was, uh, you know, it was funded by a Krista McCullough foundation grant. And, and so that's how the program started. And, and so I've been doing this kind of outreach since I was a very baby diver, um, and that was in 1990, 91. And, um, and so all the kids, so the way they introduce you when you're one of their divers is, Hey class, everybody say hi to diver Laura. And all the kids will go, hi diver Laura. And they're all screaming in your <laughs> ear and you're like, Oh my God, turn down the mic. <laughs> and then they give you a camera and, and you take that camera and, uh, and communication system down and take the kids on a dive. And so you essentially feel like a modern day Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> All right, kids, what are we going to go find today? Today we are in search of the giant Pacific octopus. Complete <laughs> 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 with that accent. <laughs> yeah, nice. Dial in my phony French accent. Um, and so that's kind of how, where the Diver Laura moniker came from. And it just kind of stuck. And so now I'm like the virtual Diver Laura. <laughs> no, I still, I still get out. Um, Usually yeah, every yeah. week, um, and and I'm filming. I do a lot of 360 uh, underwater filmmaking, and so it's still yeah, there. Yeah. I always worry, like, what happens when I'm 80 and I'm not diving <laughs> yeah. anymore? Oh wait, no, I'll be diving. I'll still be diver, Laura. <laughs> you and I were chatting, and you brought up the VR stuff, and then you're like, "Oh, check out these links of things I worked on." And I'm like watching stuff with sharks and 
Oh yeah. I was just like, what the heck? (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, we became friends on Facebook and you upload like a new video, like every other day of diving. It's just nuts. Yeah. That's kind of, I took a different tactic. There are people who are super high end and they only put up their really fancy stuff and their, you know, their amazing, amazing photo reels and, um, and stuff. And I, from the beginning decided to do it a little bit differently. And I think the best, uh, explanation it um uh what is it photo district news may did an article on me a while back about um how i try to open source this and encourage other people to just give it a try like if i can do it anyone can and by sharing some of my um foibles (laughs) and less perfect stuff um i i try to make it more approachable uh because you know, other people will will share their pictures of their amazingly uh, advanced camera rigs that have like 32 4K cameras and they're just <laughs> stunning and there's all this stuff, but it makes it super elitist and mm-hmm. not tremendously inclusive. And one of the things that I believe has to happen in VR and in the space is that it has to be um, democratized and it has to be inclusive of everybody. Um, women, people of color, different age groups, you know, uh, when I first started working on the maritime archaeology simulator, um, I actually reached out to a unity dev who's a 70 something year old woman and she just didn't have quite the skill set, but she's definitely a unity dev. And I just thought (laughs) that would be the coolest damn thing, you know, have a, have a VR game developed by women uh, in a in a f- in multiple fields that are male dominated, yeah. you know, diving is incredibly male dominated. Computers are male dominated. Programming is male dominated. Dev is male dominated. VR is male dominated. And so, not only would it be women, but maybe one of the devs could have been, you know, a seventy-something-year-old woman. And I thought, wow, <laughs> that would just be the coolest thing to have this this inclusion of all these different voices awesome yeah on twitter i see a lot of uh, female led teams and they're just always reaching out and it seems to be growing pretty quickly so that's really neat yeah it it, i mean it's definitely there and and the movements have definitely improved and and we're getting better i think women are getting better about you know towing our own (laughs) (laughs) you know our own and and getting ourselves out there and and kind of standing up and owning our space um and it's unfortunate that we have to to kind of do that but we have to work together and i think just having enthusiastic but also very smart and very strong women kind of leading the charge uh who don't have a big chip on their shoulder is also helpful Um, it's a generational thing. And I know from when I worked in the hospital, you'll see different, we deal with it differently. Women deal with it differently. Sometimes, you know, you could be the kind of angry woman who is upset about all of the, everything you've had to fight against your whole career. And I hugely respect that. You know, it's like, yes, I agree. (laughs) This sucks. But there's also trying to find a happy balance between, um, raging, (laughs) Yes. against the machine and encouraging and bringing other people along with you 
because you also sometimes see the queen bee aspects of it where uh, a woman makes it to the top and she doesn't actually help other women. Um, and so that's something I also believe in pretty profoundly and pretty deeply is that we have to stick together and we have to help each other and we have to get over this um, feeling that we have to compete with other women because we've been raised to do that. We've just been raised out of the gate and men aren't, you're, you're raised to collaborate and work together and have your, you know, kind of old boys club. We weren't raised that way. And so anything we can do to encourage each other and make each other feel strong and make each other feel like we're not stupid or not weak um, or, or that we can, I think is, is super important. Again, it's all about inclusion and not, there doesn't need to be only one. This isn't Highlander. <laughs> <laughs> My, we have a tendency. Women have a tendency to do that. We just do. <laughs> I'll, I'm, you know. My girlfriend is definitely a rager. So yeah, I, yeah. I get a lot of that. Yeah, and it's hard. I mean, and and to try to find to find a balance. I mean, you'll see I rage a lot on Facebook, but I also try to dial it back just enough so that I don't turn everybody off because if I turn everybody off then I don't have an audience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My audience of one. <laughs> it's definitely kind of a a bad side of our society cuz I I see stuff on social media and even I, I don't really go on social media much, just look on things and you could have uh somebody showing off their painting on Reddit and it's just a picture of the painting and they get like four likes, but then you do the same painting with like, you know, a pretty girl holding the painting uh -huh, and it's exactly. got 8 million yep. like likes yep. and follows and views. And it's yeah, just absolutely. Like yeah. We perpetuate it. And yeah. I think that's something um, that, that supernatural has been amazing about is that it, it is the community in addition to just the game itself is very approachable, but the community has just been wonderful mm -hmm. and i mean if you look at the posts and the sharing that people are doing it's clear that they've developed a safe space for us um where we can you know show our forehead marks and our <laughs> belly fat and our jiggly thighs and and not even have the slightest bit of you know um insecurity because we're all working on it we're all working it yep. um and i think that to me has been a um, secondarily a large part of why Supernatural was so sticky and part of why I'm fascinated by it because as someone who's trying to develop an app, I want to understand why did this take off so well? And I mean, of course it's a perfect storm and I just like, you know, I applaud Chris Milk so much, but I also <laughs> recognize that he, he lucked out. I mean, they, what did they say? There's luck is, is, part preparation <laughs> um he he made the game and had it ready to go and covid pushed it over the line in my opinion yeah. <laughs> you know we're all sitting around i mean when i found it i was at an all-time low i was bemoaning my aching joints and my slacking off and my lack of anything like i was just kind of bummed out and just like i didn't even want to work on the computer because i was just i was depressed i guess you know it, it was kind of rough and then I found Supernatural and started playing it. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. And and the, and the fact that it's in these these natural spaces and has the has the volumetric um, or the 3D stereo uh, coaches in it that are recorded and not avatars and not because I've been working with motion capture as well and trying to make motion capture avatars and I can see 
why this works better now. Like I wasn't sure it would. I always had this idea, well, I'll record myself with the K1 Pro in front of the green screen until I get really good at motion capture and can do a, you know, a really good photorealistic avatar. But I don't know if people will accept that. And then they roll out Supernatural and it's exactly what I was looking at doing just slightly different. You know, it's a different, I was looking at doing dive, guided dives, like tell you about this dive or tell you about this site or this habitat and have me pop up like the coaches pop up. And so seeing that, seeing Supernatural was super exciting to me on, on so many levels because I was like, oh my gosh, this does work. I'm <laughs> so stoked. I was on the right track. Um, and so anytime you get that kind of um, affirmation, it's exciting. It's yeah. awesome. They, um, they have a really diverse team there and they, they share that and the, the community is just as diverse and it's mm -hmm. like, I remember when I started, I'm like, Oh, there's a there's like a little scoreboard with a friends list. I'm like, how how should I add people? I'll just I'll just send out a few yeah. follows and see what happens. And then now I, I I'm almost late for work every morning, leaving comments on people's workouts and stuff. It's like, okay, I gotta go. I gotta stop this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a community. I mean, it's yeah. truly a community. And even just liking, you know, we all know that that Facebook and social media is based on positive affirmation. I mean, why do we post? Because we get likes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, hello. <laughs> and so if they, you can manage to kind of connect that with your exercise routine, which is what they've done, I think, very well with the ability to share and, you know, it, just the, the beauty of it, I think, and, and even you, you're a part of it. Just this, the fact that you are commenting on people's stuff and you are liking and saying, great job, even just the littlest <laughs> thing, yeah. it, it makes people feel seen. And I think right now that's a really big deal because yeah. everything is so big around us and we feel so small and trapped and isolated that anything that can make you feel like somebody out there sees you is huge. And so it's not only the community and the coaches, it's just that, that just, we all see each other and we all cheer each other on. And, um, it's incredibly unique. It's incredibly yeah. unique. It's, you know, I don't, I don't know if I've ever experienced anything quite like it. And I've been in a lot of like climbing and diving and, fitness training and triathlons and marathons and all that stuff. And, and we had communities, but there was, it was, it wasn't quite like this because you were already self-selecting with your group of people. This is so, so diverse because of yeah. the internet and the, and the nature of, of Facebook. Um, and it hasn't even gone to other regions yet. So right. Right. It'll just get crazier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see it. Yeah. I see it just continuing to explode as long as, and I think it'll, I think it'll stay. I think, I think it'll, it'll maintain its appeal even after COVID. Yeah. But I do think there's, there's really interesting. Um, I don't know how much you obsess about VR and how it works with the brain. I know I do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect you do some a little uh, bit as yes. well. <laughs> um, but I think there's something about the escapism to real destinations. Yeah. That's special. That's super special about it. That's so different. And in my 
360 work where I would take videos to seniors and in nursing homes and places like that where they're isolated to my dad. My dad's 88 and he's housebound. And that's actually why I got started with all of this VR stuff was to make videos for him so that he could get out of his house, essentially, virtually. And I saw the profound effect it had on him and thought, oh my gosh, this is what I need to be doing. <laughs> and so then I started taking it to a nursing home near where I live over here in West Seattle. And, and it was the same experience. And the reports coming back after I went, like the first time I went, it was just with like Google Cardboards and Google <laughs> Earth in a Google Cardboard. And literally we just, I'm like, where did you grow up? And so then I would find that place in the Google Cardboard and and let them look around their neighborhoods, you know. Um, and, and that just, people loved it. They just loved it. And then I got better and started showing them videos and, and it advanced and, you know, um, now I've got like a hundred Oculus goes and I'm sitting on them because we've got COVID and like trying to figure out a way to do a event in the middle of COVID is just, I've, yeah. I've shelved it for now. Right. That <laughs> so sucks. Back to, to deving, which is hard for me because I'm not a unity dev. I, I, I had that, what you saw from the game, that was three months, zero to hero. And I am nowhere near hero. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Like, I made something that could function. <laughs> it felt it good, is some, though. Like, I felt like I was underwater, so. That's cool. It's got some ugly-ass code in it, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's still, it's better than some things I've played. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's all I went for was just, I was like, I think I need realism. And 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 I've got, I've actually gotten some interesting opportunities out of it. Um, working with other people who were doing underwater uh, experiences. Um, you know, consulting for how to how to realify your diving game. <laughs> yeah, like you were saying about <clears throat> how it works with the brain and escapism. It's like Wookie and I have been lifelong gamers and I'm a total in the moment person. Like if I'm watching a movie or playing a game, like I it bothers me if someone's like talking or looking at their phone type of thing because it breaks my immersion. But mm -hmm. In VR, it's just like you put the headset on, you're you are just gone. You're wherever, whatever world you're playing at that moment. It's it's just crazy to me still, and I've been doing it. I for, know, right? Yeah. You take it off, and you're like, ah, oh, crap, my crappy office again. <laughs> <laughs> I totally I was, did that. Like, I need to clean my office. No, I don't. I'm just gonna put on the headset for exactly. Screw cleaning up. But I was telling Wookie and another friend, uh, I watched. Um, tenacious d in vr they had a concert they did in vr mm -hmm. and where i live i always have to drive at least two hours to see a good band i like or something like that yeah and after that show i honestly had a depression come over me like oh now i gotta drive home and i'm like oh i just take the headset off <laughs> <I'm> like <"Duh." laughs> so that's even that which Actually, like... that's wonderful to hear because I've done some filming, some work with a company, Supersphere, who does the Oculus venues. Mm -hmm. And I've, you know, I've worked a couple of shows, nice. more than a couple. And and so I was always wondering what people thought about that on the other end, because we're filming them with stereo 180 cameras yeah. and we set up like four or five cameras at different angles. And, you know, you got to you're running the stacks and all of that good stuff. And 
you know, the hope is exactly what you said. The hope is that we, we can make it real enough that it's enjoyed by audiences far and wide, but you never quite know. You're kind of yeah. like sending this out into the <laughs> Vespers and I really hope people like it. <laughs> I love it because you, you kind of set the cameras over the crowd. So you get that feeling of being in the crowd. Mm -hmm. And the first time it's kind of a little like weird, but then you can join the VR crowd and you guys have like a little quiz thing going up in the screen, but mm -hmm. you can talk, you can hang out or with the click of a button, you can be in your own private room and it's, yeah. it's just really yeah. neat. I think it's got so much potential. Mm -hmm. The weird thing about VR, we were talking to another dev on uh, the other podcast. Um, it seems like a lot of indie developers or the people who seem more passionate more than the bigger not really quite AAA yet, but like, yeah, indie developers, the people who are passionate behind it. Those are the ones with the better experiences. Like, you, mm -hmm. you, the movement might be better, or you just you just feel a little more anchored to the world or the experience or the environment you're in. So it's kind of fun to see, like, not just a game because if you're working on experiences, like you know, if it feels like you're underwater or it feels like you're a, kind of part of the crowd in a unique way, it's yeah. It's yeah, like the more I think you are that it almost does it for you because VR does that stuff. Right. Well, and uh, this is something that I see in in just your general filmmaking, and I absolutely agree with that. Um, you have a tendency to create better stuff if you're passionate about it. I mean, oh, yeah. it's just <laughs> that, and so like. If you've got someone on the team who is just crazy passionate about diving, yeah, your physics is going to be better. Your experience for divers is going to be better. Now, is that always the best experience for non-divers? Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. not. Right? Because, and that's a lot of the things I'm looking at for the for the game for the um experience as opposed to the simulator the simulator is right. all right up my wheelhouse the simulator <laughs> is a hundred percent what i want to build i mean there was someone someone said i think it was in one of the master classes that i kind of watched here and there they said build the game you want to play yep that was the best advice i've ever gotten it's build the game that you want that's what's missing from every game you've ever played that you wish was there stop bitching and go build it. <laughs> and, and so that's what I'm trying to do. You know, I've, I've watched a lot of the games. I've played some of them. I usually don't last very long because they're so unnatural and they just, they don't feel like what it is to actually dive. And then the, 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 uh, the graphics are kind of, you know, a little uncanny Valley for me. Uh -huh. They just don't work now, but for regular non-divers, they're fantastic. Cause like, Oh my God, these beautiful virtual worlds. Wow. This is so amazing. <laughs> but to me as a diver, I'm like, ah, no, you're moving too fast. Oh, the physics is off. Oh God. No, that's not how shipwrecks look underwater. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's also Spartan usually too, because it's hard to put all of that slime basically <laughs> that's underwater. <laughs> it's, it's, if you haven't been there and you've only looked at videos, it's really challenging because what really looks, what diving really looks like, what I'm making in the simulator isn't going to be like what people think of if yeah. they think about diving. And that's because of lights, because of the way water absorbs light. And so when you go for a dive, it doesn't look anything like all of those pretty tropical <laughs> pictures with all the color. It is washed out. It's either green or blue. 
everything's green and blue. There's no <laughs> other colors unless you're in the top 10 feet of water before all of the colors get absorbed. So like red's the first to go. So in 10 feet of water, if the water's crystal clear, it's going to look washed out and pale blue. It's you're not going to see a lot of color unless you bring light. And with regular flat photography and video, I have tons of big lights. But the challenge with 360 is it's way harder to light it up and not see the lights and not have them messing up your shot or causing lens flare and stuff. So, yeah. You know, the, 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 the best I've found personally is to have a well-trained lighting team, which is part of why I wanted to do the maritime archaeology simulator multiplayer so that we can simulate everybody swimming over the same wreck, holding their lights just the right way. Hmm. Because lighting is so challenging underwater. Lighting outside of water is probably hard enough most days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> underwater is like, well... Damn. <laughs> yes, yes. Because you don't get a lot of backscatter topside. But that's how you get rid of backscatter and you get rid of lens flares. You teach your divers how to block the lights from the camera, which means not only do they have to be aware of their surroundings and their own gear and their own safety, but they also have one eye on the camera and the person swimming with the camera so that they can stay, keep their light appropriately positioned so that the, it's not causing a bunch of lens flare on the dome ports because the big wide domes get a lot of lens flare. <laughs> that just something flashed in my head that you were saying before is like, uh, um, when you're democratizing, you know, creation itself or, you know, creatives, like people have to see the, like how you started and how you, you know, the, the journey yes. and where you got your work. Oh like, yes. If I, we were to I see believe that. Yep. If, yep. Yeah, if we were to see like somebody, making a documentary of you making your documentaries or films or whatnot, just me falling around and looking at the lighting rig. I'd be like, well, I quit before I even started. Like, if, <laughs> right, if right. Like, exactly. What the hell? I don't even know what the heck you're talking about. on this like 360 rig, like sitting there like, mm -hmm. how do you move a 360 camera rig underwater? Like, I can't even wrap my head around that. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, Damn. that's the thing it's, it's, it is. And that's why, like when I, when I, you know, made my first double dome housing on my back part, back porch with a you know some acrylic and a jigsaw <laughs> I no a handheld saw you know like it's sketch it's totally sketch but heck it worked and you know it really worked and it got really good it actually gets better video than a lot of the commercially made ones um <laughs> because it's got bigger domes and yada 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 but um Oh, yeah. And I documented all of that. And it actually, you know, and I put it all out there. I'm very into this idea that, you know, um, why if I came up with a, a functional solution, why not let everybody use it? I am, you know, again, just like with the Highlander for women in, in, in this space, I want everybody to make 360 stuff because the more people making good 360 stuff or even any 360 stuff grows the medium. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if we wonder why it hasn't taken off like flat video, I can tell you because we haven't made it easy enough for everybody to always make 360. It hasn't, it isn't at the quality level yet that everyone's like, yeah, this is what I'm going to use for my vacation footage. <laughs> people are still, you know, pulling out their good flat, you know, cameras. And they're, or they're using their iPhone because, oh my God, that makes it easy. Yeah. <laughs> accessibility and is so key. Accessibility is key. And, and so when we are trying to get new creatives by 
back to by making it look like we were, you know, born with a 10 camera array in our hand, I don't think helps the medium. I yeah. think if we show all of my foibles and, and, and yeah, it, maybe it could make me look like an idiot some of the time, but I am an idiot some of the time. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's human. Um, uh, it's just a different philosophy. You know, I know some people never want to show their mistakes because they want to be untouchable, but that's not that, me. That's a huge problem in society as a whole and just general problem solving and thinking. Cause, um, if you, if you show like, you know, what you, you know, you could have like what you want is this dream dome. I'm not sure what the double dome thing you're talking about is, but a dream <laughs> rig and it doesn't exist. And some people are like, I, I guess I can't get there. And then having like a mentor, even if it's just yeah. a YouTube creator, just saying that's not out there or I can't afford it. So I'm going to make it. And, yep, it actually and that's works. exactly what I did. Yes. Because yeah. people, people just don't. I automate stuff for a living right now. It's kind of mm -hmm. light. I'd use a lot of scripts to kind of fill the gap between systems. And it's not hard to me at all. It just comes naturally. Like I, I just do it. And everyone that I work with is usually like, how the heck do you do this? And right. like you have, they have the same tools I do, but it's like, do people not just kind of stop and look and see like, well, this, a, this is what I have at my disposal and B, this is where I want it to go. And then C make it get there. Like, to make that's, it get there the might be the hard part. part. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, well, it's overcoming insecurities. And as you say about our culture, our society today, if everybody's only putting out their, their successes, it makes failure really feel like failure mm -hmm. and makes failure even more embarrassing than it is. And failure it's, is embarrassing. We all know that. <laughs> but it's the best teacher. Um, right. It's absolutely the best teacher. People can learn from my failures and never make that mistake. I always say the best learners. When I used to work in surgery, I would um, I was a surgical tech for many years, and I worked in trauma surgery and high end neurosurgery, and you know I was I was pretty good at my job. <laughs> but wow. what you would see is the best residents, and so you know I got to see it a whole lot of baby doctors, and the best residents are the ones, not the ones who learn from their mistakes. But the best ones are the ones who learn from other people's mistakes, uh -huh. everybody's mistakes. They don't just watch their, their, their attending, the, the, the boss doctor. They watch everybody. They're watching the junior resident. They're watching the, they're watching the, um, the fellows. They're watching the scrub tech. They're watching the anesthesiologist. They have this incredible global awareness, and they learn from everything going on around them. Those residents were few and far between. You know, that's not the norm. But you can really tell when you see someone like that who can learn from other people's mistakes that they're someone special. And um, throwing back to PJ in my childhood, uh, I was the youngest child. So I think that might be key and to be you know, <laughs> being able to learn from everybody else's mistakes. Mm -hmm. is I don't, looking back or trying to remember, I don't think I got in trouble as much as the rest of my siblings because I would just watch them do stuff and be like, well, that didn't yeah, work. And then, you know, I can get, I can get away with the same, same stuff. And I just don't, you know. Yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense. I mean, my siblings said that I was the eldest. And so, you know, I had to blaze the trail per se, if you will. And, um, 
blazing the trail can lead to some personality quirks. <laughs> that's a, that's the only thing I'll say there. <laughs> it could be the uh, the best way to be about the you know like you're creating the stuff in your backyard. Well, it doesn't exist yeah. and it's not going to stop me because nothing's ever existed easy. I'm just going to go make it. So exactly. I like, I like well, and then the neat thing is, I mean, and this is what kind of I, I will say this kind of this ties in with that pretty well. Um, that idea that, well, I mean, I, you know, I talk to my siblings now and they're, we're all kind of, we're all in our forties actually, frighteningly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, my baby brother's 40. <laughs> um, but you know, we're talking more as adults now and it's really interesting how one of my brothers, my closest brother is about five years apart. And I mean, he talks about like me, like I'm on some kind of damn pedestal and I'm like, I was just doing the best I could. He's like, no, you really, you gave us, you know, good insights and you gave us good examples to follow. And you've always, you know, held yourself to a very high standard, especially around us to try to, and, and the fact that he caught all that, you know, as a kid, when I barely knew what I was doing, I was just a kid too. <laughs> but, but the way younger siblings, uh, follow, the older siblings, I think, can also be a lesson for our society and, and mentors, um, mentoring younger creatives or younger people in whatever field, not necessarily younger, but just less experienced people, I should say. Um, almost, almost like you said the, um, the, the queen bee thing earlier where, oh, yeah. you know, I got here with my own sweat and blood and I'll be damned if I'm going to make it easier on you. That. I think that's a huge <laughs> problem. Like, the yep. best stuff on the planet comes from people that just like dedicate themselves to something. So if you look at cultures like, I don't know, like the Japanese who they, you know, pass mm -hmm. things down through generations. I just watched some, some documentary the other day about their woodworking, which is crazy enough with the joints, but I saw a picture of these weird trees, like elm trees or something, but then they just, they almost do the, the little bonsai tree thing with the top and it grows straight, straight branches. Like, Huh. hundreds of feet into the air and that takes like 20 years for that to do that but that's how if you look at those old temples they're all these giant wood beams and everything right and as a kid i saw those photos and like how do you have that much like perfect wood but it's this way they do they do the bonsai trimming on a real giant tree and they just oh. see these giant vertical branches <laughs> and they harvest those and they like for hundreds and maybe even over a thousand years they've been sustainably doing that right right and that's how they get all that wood and it's like not one person over here in, in America, because maybe we're a younger country. Right, we, right. Nobody has that forethought. <laughs> yeah, nobody, no, absolutely. Nobody brings... we, we, we clear cut and, <laughs> and wipe out whole stretches of uh, biodiversity, habitat. Um, right. And, and, and create monoculture and then wonder why we don't have pollinators. <laughs> right. And we're exactly. all like shocked. We're like, oh my God, what's going on? Yeah. What happened? And, and it's the like, poor honeybees are like, if we're going down, we're taking you with us. Uh, that's <laughs> true. You know, that will that happen right here on my block. So uh, I live in a really unique community um, in West Seattle and it's kind of islandy. And right now it's really islandy because our bridge is falling apart. And so it got closed down. So we're kind of cut off from main Seattle <laughs> right now, but it's, um, it used to be like the vacation homes for the uh, for the rich people in Seattle. They had their little you know island home in West Seattle. But what they also did was there were a ton of uh, I don't want to say community gardens, but everybody planted a vegetable patch and had fruit trees on their little properties. So it's all these little. They're not they're not um, 
they're not war box houses, you know, like war boxes where all these little uh, matching houses where mm -hmm. military families lived in. They're not quite war boxes, but they're close. Um, but there's lots of these small single family homes with reasonably big yards. And, and so we all have gardens and we all have fruit trees. And this year it was profound. Last winter, my bees uh, absconded and as did my neighbor's <laughs> bees and my other friend, my bee mentor, my apiarius bee mentor, um, his all left. And so something in West Seattle caused all the bees to vanish. And so all spring, when we're watching the pear tree come in and the apple tree come in, it was dead silent. It was the strangest thing. There weren't even very many um, native pollinators. And I was on the list to get a hive and everyone kept coming by my door because they knew I, our neighbor moved, <laughs> the one with the bees moved. And so I was kind of everybody's last hope for bees. <laughs> and my neighbors would come by me. We all trade vegetables and they give me rhubarb and I give them back rhubarb crisp, that kind of stuff. It's actually pretty, it's very heartwarming. Um, I wish I lived in that community. That sounds <laughs> fun. It is. It's delightful. My neighbor and I, we holler back across the alley at each other. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> I give her, I give her bread and she gives me Swiss chard and, and <laughs> basil and, you know, it's really cute. But the day I was on the list to get a swarm, from a uh, um, from an a kind of amateur beekeeper guy, um, and and I got the last swarm of the swarm season, and everybody noticed instantly because suddenly there were bees on their flowers again, and like they literally came over and said, "Did you you got bees, didn't you?" <laughs> it was that big a change, and that's how the dearth, the lack of lack of bees, how bad it was here that we literally all noticed it. And then the day I got, I mean, there were only bumblebees. There were a few bumblebees and a few native pollinators, but it's a big deal right now. Wow. I'm still thinking about, you guys are talking about like the <clears throat> culture Wookiee you saw in that documentary about the trees. And you know, somewhere down the line, they tried to tell us that and we just weren't listening or... <laughs> Yeah. We don't want. We know better. We don't want to hear it. And uh, there's not like a ton of money to be made and thrown like yeah. resources to be thrown out along the way. And it's right. just and when I see stuff yeah. like that. The one of my favorite lyrics from Pearl Jam is, you know, the wisdom that the old can't give away because you know young people don't want to hear it. We know better. It just <laughs> yeah kind of pisses you off. <laughs> it's it's really it's really interesting, and I think. Um, I don't know. You haven't been around. You haven't been on my Facebook page that long, but I actually, so I'm <clears throat> old, <laughs> no. um, but I, uh, I started learning about this crazy thing called perimenopause for women in their forties. And it's, it's a huge deal and it's not very well known and doctors don't help you at all. They just say, here's some antidepressants, have a nice day. Hmm. But there's so many supplements that that women have been using for thousands of years, like Native American women, um, to help to help treat the symptoms of of perimenopause and then menopause. And once I finally got it all sorted out, I mean, I lost <laughs> a couple of years of my life to just like the 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 depression and the brain fog and the miserable, and you feel like hell. I mean, you feel like someone stole your life. You literally feel like someone took your life away and gave you back some shadow of yourself. You have no lust for life. You have no joy. It's it's emotional too, as much as it is physical. And I made this big post 
apologizing to all the 40 something year old nurses that I didn't, I laughed at basically when I was a young thing, when I was a 20 something year old as a scrub tech, I, I didn't understand them at all. And I didn't listen to them. And now I'm like, shit, I wish I'd listened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm just as, you know, I'm, I, I personify what you just said. I don't, I didn't listen at the time. I didn't understand. And I had no interest in learning. Because it's, to me, it didn't affect me. Right. It's just, yeah, it's a communication problem. And I think communication is one of the best things we have and one of the things that nobody knows how to do correctly. Right. So I sure the, the whole thing about the, yeah, <laughs> the whole thing about the mentor stuff is like, I, I love to spearhead my, like, I have a problem, I'm just going to fix it. But the amount of times that I've, you know, smacked my head on a, you know, not being able to learn from other people's mistakes because I don't know anybody that's made them. Right, right. Like, why can't there just be people that not really just hold your hand, but like somebody that's already got an established, like, here's a here's the correct way to do it with the least amount of smacking your head in a brick wall. Right. But we just don't have that in our culture. There's there like Again, it's, it's a big. It's because people are yourself. afraid and insecure about sharing. Mm -hmm. We've made a culture that can't share for fear of embarrassing itself. Yep. You know, and, and for fear that people are going to laugh at us and people are going to mock us. And until uh, whatever it is, <laughs> I don't know the solution. I just know the problem. <laughs> but I try to combat it by just like oversharing. I mean, it's like, hey, I'm from the plan of overshare.com. <laughs> yep. oh. and, and, you know, like even the perimenopause stuff, I started a little group and I just I post about perimenopause trials and tribulations and every time i post i get a few more women and i think we're up to like 80 or 100 women and which is a small group for perimenopause if you look at the big groups there are fifty thousand women who are all saying the same thing we're at we're, we're in this alone we can't get any help from our physicians we're we're driving our husbands crazy um, you know, the, the, so many, there's so many, um, psychological and emotional aspects to it that I think it's actually part of the whole divorce, um, culture that's been created in our country is that we don't, we don't help women when they're starting to experience these changes and they start getting emotional and labile and they, they lose their sex drive and all of this stuff that's directly tied. And it happens in their forties, which is really a challenging time for women. Anyway, we're starting to age. We're feeling yeah. a little insecure with our aging and maybe where we are in our careers or you got kids and you're just coming out of that mommy fog. Um, and then all of a sudden you get hit by this, this hormonal nightmare and doctors just tell you live with it. Sucks to be you lady. Yeah. 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 And, my and so you feel like you have no hope and you're like, is this my life? Is this the rest? Is this the next 40 years of my life? You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> And, and hey. so we're kind of in it alone, and then we kind of find little groups of women that, that, and the number one thing I've heard, I can't tell you how many times is, oh my God, I thought I was alone. I thought I was the only one. Yeah, I've and, noticed that kind of same thing in the, in the supernatural group chats is pretty much the same thing, just with exercise and yeah, different absolutely. age brackets and all that. Um, well, and that's, that's why I started sharing like everything, like about my knees and about shoes or not shoes or 
why, mm-hmm. you know, how it's a, how it's been a journey, you know, like I, I started doing it and I found that I, my ankles were too weak. So I had to go to shoes. And then I found that the ankles, uh, shoes I was wearing were kicking the geometry of my knee off. So my knee was hurting during the squats. And now I'm back to no shoes and everything <laughs> feels good, you know, on and on and on and on. But, but trying to remind people not to just get set in one yeah. specific way that, that this is the only way you can do it. Nah. Yeah. Find and and that also, works. as we as we prog- make progress, our needs are going to change. So as we get stronger, like as my ankles got stronger from doing Supernatural every day, I didn't need the shoes. <laughs> yep, I think there's a lot of. Oh, sorry, PJ. No, go, go for it. I think there's a lot of forgiveness in just society in general. Like, there's a big. You were having, you know, you were saying problems like, you know women fighting and, and the men fighting and you know, this kind of thing is going on. Like on social media, I see, you know, one woman posts something where, you know, she might be like self bragging. Like I was proud of this. You just see like mm-hmm. eight times as many men as women in the comments that are just destroying that poor person. Yeah. Right. Right. And like cancel the, culture kind of stuff. Yeah. It, but it's kind of like, and I don't have a, a woman perspective besides what I hear from the girlfriend, but what people don't understand about guys is like, we can't be seen to be, you know, the weak ones that might make the first step in the, in the, 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 the way to fix it, you know, just to admit your mistake. So like when you're saying stuff like the, um, driving husbands crazy with the, the perimenopause stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, we get, we get nutty. We turn into shrews. <laughs> we turn into monsters, actually quite monstrous. I, I'm, I, and, and we can't stop it. It's absolutely out of our control. That's the problem. It's like, right. We know we can see ourselves doing it, but we can't stop it. It's crazy. (laughs) Almost like a bipolar effect. It sounds like, but like, were you saying, um, you know, you thought you were alone, but if you make awareness and make a group and people are like, Oh my God, there's no other info here. Yeah. Maybe the husbands need to make a group for like, this is how this should be correctly dealt with because that could be a reason. And I know my girlfriend keeps ragging on these people. Like, it's not fair that guys, you know, can like easily date younger women. Like, you know, the, the women it's, might get discarded yeah. almost. And she's like, don't ever do that to me. I'm like, what? That's, I had no that's, idea what's going yeah, on. That's actually, that so my dad's a retired uh, psychiatrist and we have lots of discussions and him now having a, you know, 40, 48 year old daughter, he's actually like, wow, I think we were really messed up in the field of psychiatry. And I think we never even had the concept that these hormones could be part of the problem. And so we literally just, you know, sedate and give antidepressants and sleeping pills to the, to treat the symptoms, but we're never actually treating the cause. And I mean, I can tell you the day that I started the bioidentical supplements, it was literally like, I cried. I got my life back. Like, the world got sparkly again is the only way I can describe it. It's like I, I, you know, used the product and within 15 minutes, suddenly it was like someone opened the curtains that had been closed on a dark, dark, dusty house for seven years and someone opened the curtains and it was light again. Hmm. That's literally the only way to describe it. That's fantastic though. And, but, uh... and fine. And then, so now I'm just angry because like, I wasted so many years of my life because the information wasn't out there. <laughs> yeah. What's the doctors? Doctors are more like technicians for the body. I, uh, 
they're white male technicians for the body. Yes, um, very much so. Um, and so they just don't, they literally don't have the concept. The medical school doesn't train them about women or people of color very much. Um, they're missing whole, whole data sets. That's the problem. Well, then I was watching another video just about sugar and I don't remember the doctor's name, but, uh, he was like, he, he learned some stuff like pre-med school or something like that. And it was all about diet and nutrition. And then he forgot it because when you go to regular medical school, they don't teach the same thing. Like it's all about how to fix the symptoms and things like that. Like he was like, I was a very angry cause he spent like another 20 years or 15 years relearning stuff that he already knew, but forgot because general medicine and general practice and stuff like that just squeezes it out. So. Oh yeah, just, absolutely. And, and, and you just try to create, um, well, I mean, I understand why it happens. I mean, I don't agree with why it happens, but when you have one, when you have one demographic teaching all of the classes, yeah. that's what happens. I mean, quite simply, yep. that's what happens when you've got all white men, old white men running a field, like a whole field. That's what happens. Yep. Like my girlfriend's had uh, medical problems for a long time. And I think uh, some of us, we just learned she might have endometriosis and certain mm -hmm. birth control pills, like the, one of the chemicals and one of the, the things I think she needs is just like knocked her out. Mm -hmm. um, so she has like fatigue syndrome from that. Cause she just kind of went back and with all this stuff, but how old is like, she? Um, I don't know. Thirties or forties. She's thirties, like 36, yeah. about to turn 37. I don't, I don't say that to be rude. I don't know my old girl. No, no, no. It, but I have to like think back to like yeah, 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 no, I, I born and she's three years younger than me. Okay. I got it. Um, hey, at least you had the decade, man. <laughs> I'm good. That within plus or minus five years, but like yeah. early on, everyone thought she, she was diagnosed with schizophrenia and she was on like 13 or 11 dangerous pills at the same time for like years because they just threw pills at it. And I was like, right. we, we didn't know. And then, one day, like we'd moved across state lines from the psychiatrist she was dealing with. So she was doing some kind of phone interviews and uh, she was like, you know, I might not be schizophrenic because like her brain started to fix itself and she started mm -hmm. to like not need as many pills, which is really dangerous because some things I guess, you know, I don't need yeah. pills. That's when they're working. That's when you need to keep Right, them. right. <laughs> That's exactly but, uh, it. Oh, I she, feel great. I don't need them anymore. Yeah. Right. But she like legitimately pared some stuff down and was making some changes because things weren't working. They couldn't figure out what right, was making her right. tired. Yeah. Yep. And yep. she said to her doctor, she was like, I might not have that. I might just be um hormonal. <laughs> no, the uh just lost my train of thought. The um where you fall asleep, the narcolepsy. Yeah. I think there's a kind of that. And then her doctor was just like we're going to have to terminate our uh, sessions. Like she'd been seeing this doctor for a decade almost or something. We're going to have to terminate our sessions because <sighs> of, you know, the state lines right. and pass some laws. <laughs> and it was just like, boom, ghosted because she was like, oh. you know, uh, you may have misdiagnosed this, not being angry at you that wasting, you know, part yeah, of Yeah. I'm pretty sure life. that the state line thing wasn't the problem. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he just didn't like that. She talked back, but it was a lady doctor. So we were surprised by that. I was never a fan of her, but, uh, well, it, uh, just because someone's a woman doesn't mean that they <laughs> love women, as we already established earlier. <laughs> yeah. I had um, the same situation almost with my <clears throat> previous spouse. When we were early 20s, she started having medical issues, and it turned out to be an endometriosis, but this was a long time ago, and no one knew what it was, and we did all these tests and this and that, and for the start of it, we didn't have insurance, so like I paid medical debt for 20-some years. 
it took them 10 years to figure it out and they still didn't know what to do with it. And, you know, now she's older, like 20 some years later and had a hysterectomy that seems to have fixed it. But she spent 20 years of her life in pain and depression and yeah, they gave her the one time they forced a shot on her that literally put her through a menopause and I can tell you that was a ride just for me. So I, I yeah. cannot fathom what she was going yeah. through. And it yeah. was, yeah. that was so hard. You know, you <laughs> when I say the hormonal fluctuations mm-hmm. cause emotional issues, you get it. <laughs> yeah. And, and my current wife is definitely going to have to listen to this episode and get some of those links. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's a challenge and I just wish that they, you know, that they're, like with some learning in school or something anywhere Mm -hmm. that that women girls could get like i mean part of it is that the the origin story is most likely because of the medical um field being all all white men Mm -hmm. and women being told oh just suck it up and deal with it um and also because of the stigma around being emotional as a woman i mean if you think about it what do they say what do ceos say about hiring women they don't like it because yeah. why she's going to be bitchy. She's going to want to have babies. She's then she's going to, you know, all of these negatives about being a woman emotionally. And so what do you do? You hide it. You don't, you, you cover it up. And so if you're, you never admit any weakness because then, you know, you're just, you're just feeding right into the feeding right into the, what everybody's impressions are already. Mm-hmm. And so it gets even worse. So then you're you're a woman suffering perimenopause. You're exhausted all the time. You've probably got a family. Um, you're 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 torturing your poor husband or you know partner. <laughs> and and then you wonder you wonder why he goes off and goes for a twenty something year old. <laughs> and that makes you even more angry. So it's yeah. it's all compiled. Hey guys, can you can I take a quick break? I'll yeah. be right back. Well, she's on break. I just just the crazy amount of references and things she's done and sounds like some things she's invented it's just yeah impressive i uh we've covered about a fourth of what i've had written down for her definitely tenacious i see people like this with you know so much going on hey laura i was just (laughs) telling we're saying you know how much uh how many irons you have in the fires and i'm like yeah i have a lot we've talked about a, maybe a quarter of what i've had written down for you oh well and keep going i'll keep just, talking uh, <laughs> just i'm chatty um, for i'm chatty for an introvert <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is like on your facebook page you're like i saw you you know you're talking about your bees and then you're diving and you seem to bake a lot and there's this you have so much going on like some days i look at that i'm like I'm a lazy I'm tired piece of crap. Just <laughs> I don't know what um, PJ had written down, but I kind of like the free flowing to see mm-hmm. where the conversation goes because this is incredibly enlightening and enjoyable. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I'm just yapping. I, I kind of let you guys drive the bus a little bit and just give me a, <laughs> give me a topic and I'll yap away. <laughs> it's totally perfect because if you don't know me or haven't noticed, like I'm not super talkative. So sometimes I'm like, why do I have podcasts? But <laughs> <laughs> that's why uh, I like the guest idea, which we, we've been doing podcasts one form or the other for like five years, even it's just a group of our friends. But the thing that's missing is like always been, you know, 
bring in on someone like you, Laura, where it's kind of like, let you drive. Because, mm-hmm. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, no one wants to hear our same stories over and over again. But, uh, <laughs> That's right. Just, I mean, it's the hardest thing as a creative. And I know because I keep trying to do things like podcasts or video blogs and stuff. And I get started and I'm super excited about it. And I'm like, yes, I've got all these. And I put together a topic list and then I don't actually ever really execute on it. <laughs> or I do like two or three, like, and I overdo it. I'm your typical creative in the sense that I just was saying something today that we basically have someone was whining about why all the wait was it you guys no someone I was on one of the oh one of my um filmmaking forums I think and they're saying like why is it that all of these filmmaking professionals when you watch their zoom uh their zooms they're all these like super shitty pointed at the ceiling bad <laughs> lighting absolutely shit audio and and you're like but these guys are the creative professionals. Yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> and it's like, well, you got to understand with creative professionals, it's all or nothing. Either we are shooting our podcast, our v- vlog on a freaking red, you know, with a full lighting setup or, or we've got our iPhone <laughs> <laughs> and there's no in between. <laughs> there, there's no partial. <laughs> So we kind of end up in this situation where all or nothing. And, and, and so I always, I mean, I am amazed by the guys who, um, you know, who crank it out on YouTube, uh, and have, you know, decent content and are a little rough around the edges because it's hard to put that out there, at least for me personally, if you, you know, you're looking at it and you're like, wow, I, I should be doing more of that. Look, it's not perfect, but it's totally watchable, you know? <laughs> I've, I've just never been able to quite pull that off and I try. And then it's just an, I, it's an iPhone video with bad audio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's seems like a challenge of what, and you never know what's going to get like, not if you're going for popularity, but what might take off. Cause you see YouTube videos that are like, you know, somebody put their heart and soul in and they have like four views. Yes. Like what's well, yeah. sad. And on the other hand, you see something you can't fathom anyone would want to watch, and it's got millions, and it's like, why? Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it happened with me. I have all of this incredible octopus footage and octopus hatches. And one, one year I did uh, 60 dives in two months watching an octopus den getting ready to hatch. And I was there every night. And I mean, I, like, I burned through dive buddies, like, because no <laughs> one, because I was there every single night. And then, and I shot this and I got some pretty good video, blah, blah, blah. Well, a year later, I went out one dive. I didn't even know there was a nest there. But one of my dive buddies was like, like texted me, Facebook messaged me. He's like, there's a octopus hatching under the, you know, monolith, you know, cove one right now. You want to go diving? I'm like, yes. And so I go out with a with camera system that I was testing it was a crappy camera system. I had the wrong lens on it. It's just the worst video I've ever shot. Like literally the worst. And it like got picked up by Boing Boing and has like a quarter of a million freaking views. And it was like, <laughs> no, of all the videos to be known. What? Are you kidding me? You're like quick throwing links to all your other stuff you want oh out there. Oh my the God. That yeah, one. exactly. I'm like, watch this video. Way better over here. Check yeah. this one out. Look at all these baby octopus. <laughs> but I was just like, oh my 
God, you're killing me. <laughs> so I have lived that. It's painful. <laughs> but it's I'm the uh, it's the the content. Like the, that's why such great photos are because photographers have a camera on them like all the time. You never yep. know when the yep. cool thing's gonna happen. Isn't that what Ansel Adams would say? It's 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 uh, ninety percent of the work is getting the camera there. Yeah. Now it's, it's not taking the picture. It's not pushing the shutter. It's actually getting the camera there. Because once you get, I used to ice climb, and that was always all my ice climbing pictures were phenomenal. I will say this: they were beautiful. It doesn't matter how crappy the camera. Like I had my first digital camera that had like like a sensor that was like half a megapixel. <laughs> You know what I mean? I wasn't that bad, but it was like literally like crappy. But because ice climbing is up in the snow and you, it's a whole lot of white and it's usually very bright because you got lots of sun or at least glare. Every picture in just the venues, you're in the mountains is is every picture is beautiful. <laughs> um, and so but the main thing is just making sure to get the camera up there with you. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's why. I get stuck in the perfectionist phase a lot because um, mm -hmm. a lot of stuff you've said about unity. Like I've been tinkering with unity for years. I do all sorts of things, but like if, if nothing's like lined up, sometimes I just like shelve projects. Cause I'm like, well, there's 80 reasons out of the hundred, you know, reasons to do this. There's 80 of them that are flawed. I'll just move to something else. Mm -hmm. It's that, I think you know, everything's pretty standard. I think a yeah. lot of people, that's why I'm so impressed when people actually do complete something and, and mm -hmm. you know, like just cheer them on so much because that's the hard thing. Yep. It's the hard thing is taking it over that line. Um, and that was the one thing with the, with the maritime archeology span simulator, at least even the prototype was, I made a pact with myself that I wouldn't stop until I got a functional demo for both rift and Va and quest, you know, one, so I could get into the Oculus start program, uh, <laughs> and two, so that I could share it because I got to say the joy of that is, the, the creative part was moderately joyful whenever things worked, but other times it was incredibly frustrating. But the real joy is when I send out that link and someone else actually sideloads it and, and plays it and comes back and said, that was cool. <laughs> that's what, that's what it's all about for me. Yep. Or like my dive buddy took it and shared it with his dad and his dad's, oh, I don't know, 80 or something. And his dad swam around playing it for like 20 or 30 minutes. And I'm like, <laughs> really? That long? <laughs> like, yeah, that's I awesome. I have arrived. Somebody played my game for 20 <laughs> to 30 minutes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was down in there about half an hour. <laughs> yeah. See, that's the thing. And so to me, I'm like, I'm like, wow, I should have put more racks in it. I needed more <laughs> stuff for people to. I'm like, no, just get this fucker out. <laughs> deliver it. Deliver it. Come on. Get it yeah. out there so people can play with it. And then that positive uh, feedback um, feeds the passion to continue to work on it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just, that's, that's, yes, it's like, you know, someone accuses me of being a little bit narcissistic or whatever on Facebook. And I'm like, actually, yeah, because it's that positive feedback that keeps me going. I'll be completely honest about that. <laughs> it's it's true. It's like, well, yes, I do post for the likes because your likes and your comments help me overcome my insecurities about pushing forward on some of these things. We we live in we don't live in a we don't live in a vacuum. We can't. We live with humans. It's about balance, though. Everyone should be enough of a narcissist to know that, you know, 
other people's vibes and thoughts might not matter, especially yeah. the negative ones. So, I, yeah, I think we just we we try to we use labels in ways that are perhaps more negative than they should be, hmm. because yeah, I mean, yes, narcissist has gotten a really bad rap right now, especially with Trump in office, <laughs> but. Admitting that I'm a little bit of a narcissist shouldn't be embarrassing. It's like yeah. just truth. It's like admitting that I need a little propping up by my Facebook family. Um, or like with Supernatural, people play because they they log on and they see someone did three workouts. Or I logged on and saw everybody raving about call to arms. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be part of I'm going to be one of the lemmings. You know, but... It's this interactions, these social interactions that actually drive us, even if they're just virtual. Yeah. Well, it, I think I forgot the exact numbers, but like loneliness is worse for you than smoking, I don't know, 15 packs of cigarettes a day. So if people don't feel like they belong to a community, I think humans really just need that. Even like you said, you know, you're a, a chatty introvert. And I, I've been fine during the pandemic because I've been working from home, luckily. And I hope that continues, but I don't, uh, as an, a conscious thought, I don't really care to interact with just about anybody. Oh, I'm with I, you there. Just, I am just totally fine. Just one of my last birthdays, I you know, went back to work. This is, you know, maybe a, a year ago. So I'm like, what'd you do? And I'm just, I, I didn't do anything. And they're like, you didn't go anywhere. You didn't do it. And I'm like, no, the first three hours of my birthday, I just sat on my couch with my eyes shut. <laughs> Yeah. No, like, I mean, I totally, I totally applaud that. So that's the kind of introvert I am. I literally could, but I will, but I will also admit that the social on, on, I mean, I'm, I'm not the biggest people person. So I have like one dive buddy that I hang out with a lot. <laughs> <laughs> He's also my good friend that we've been friends for like 14 or 15 years. And, uh, and also my dev uh, compatriot and, you know, and, and like just a part of my world. And, but that those people are very, very few and far in between. I have a, 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 you know, a beautiful virtual community, um, you know, of friends that I interact with much more online than ever. In person. Mm -hmm. But um, hearing you guys, and I haven't really done the supernatural thing yet. We had those folks. What? On <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> Um, you gotta, man. You gotta. <laughs> but hearing you guys and you and PJ, and, and PJ likes to, um, I'm spread the gospel, gospel about a bunch of stuff. You're, you're, you're a very strange person to me still, as long as I've known you. Um, but he spreads, you know, he's like, he just loves all these games, all these movies, and he'll like recommend stuff to me. I'm like, I don't see it. So, but <laughs> hearing some of the people from that um, app talk, and then hearing you guys talk, especially somebody like you, Laura, where you're like, you sound, you know, like we're all peas in a pod here. Like just, yeah, I, yeah. I can go without ever seeing another person unless it's the person that, you know, hands me the taco from the taco truck. Him right. might need <laughs> once in a while. But uh, I, I'm, as much as I hate social media because the negativity, I'm curious on how people build the communities that work. So I keep yeah, getting more yeah. and more interested and I guess I'll have to actually check, it, check it out i mean it's really the only other one that's a little bit like that is the stealth core trainer group um it has the same vibe so there's this thing called the stealth core trainer uh it was originally called the plankster and it's a um it's like a dynamic planking tool you do it on your elbows you don't you're not full arm so it's easy 
ish for most people. You can start out on your knees and it's just dynamic planking, but it has literally changed my life. I would say that it's the reason that I could then jump up and do supernatural because I've had part of, um, you know, just a life well lived is I have lower back issues. And there was a point in time where I thought I was going to have to give up diving because of lower back issues and SI joint issues. And, um, it turns out part of that was due to the hormonal cycle running away unchecked with the perimenopause. My pain was getting worse and worse and worse and worse, kind of like endometriosis, but not quite. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was getting worse and worse. And I was just, I was getting more and more physically unfit. And um, I was not eating so well and drinking too much wine and all, you know, the standard story, the taco truck, right. (laughs) And then about, I want to say five years ago, I pretty much cut most alcohol out of my diet and most sugar. And then a year and a half ago, I want to say, I got the stealth core trainer. And if I do it every day, I mean, it literally changed my life. I do it every day. I'm not a back pain patient. I'm not a chronic back pain sore. Because something about how it works for me personally, I'm not saying it's the end all be all for everyone. But all I have to do is like one minute a day and my back is fine. And I bounce this off. I've got a friend who's a... Um, an incredible trauma surgeon back in the Midwest. And she does, she does planking for 30 minutes, 30 seconds. And if she does planking for 30 seconds to one minute, her back doesn't bother her either. And so I know there's something to it, but it has. And then because I was feeling so much better, if I do that every day, then when I picked up the supernatural and I didn't hurt my back right away on it, (laughs) I was like, Hey, I can do this. And then add to that. Um, about two decades ago, I busted up my knee skiing and I had a tibial plateau fracture. So I've always been a little, I had to stop running. I had to stop doing triathlons. And so I took a big hit in the fitness department in that, in that, uh, with that. And so it's always been a little bit of a challenge because trying to find something athletic that I could just wail on and and give it my all that didn't also hurt my knee. Cause my orthopedic surgeon basically said, if you stay slim, and you don't run more than a 10K ever again in your life, you won't need a total knee by the time you're 40. Wow. So basically, I'm looking down the barrel of a total knee replacement if I do <laughs> those things that I love to do. <laughs> hmm. and, and that's part of why my back was bad, because having a joint that's not perfect, you know, throws all of your geometry off. And so... Yeah. Your Body hips off a little, your back's nope. off a little, and you just live life in it, and it and it in causes inflammation and, and so on and so forth. But so finding supernatural, um, you know, first it didn't hurt my knee, and then it was the shoes. So I was super worried about halfway through. I'm like, oh my god, the the squats are hurt because I'd never been able to do squats. Like I I since I hurt my knee, I'd never been able to do squats, and so I was already a little skeptical of them. But I'm like, I can try this. And then when they started hurting at about a month in, I'm like, oh, no. Well, it turns out what had happened was I'd gotten stronger. So I was doing deeper squats, but I was also doing deeper squats on the harder, on you know, on the on the harder um, lists, playlists. And you didn't, I didn't have time to set up properly to do, yeah. you know, get your feet right and get over your, you know, over your knees, over your feet, as opposed to pushing your knees way forward. So I was, I was not doing them right. That was on me. But then when I took off the shoes again, that gave me speed 
with my little feet, I can flip my feet out a bit. Like my knees, my feet need to be slightly angled outwards to do a good safe squat with my, you know, my physiology. And so now when I'm shoeless, all of a sudden it's game on again. <laughs> and so, but the supernatural has, has literally helped everything. It's helped my shoulder um, flexibility because I have one really? kind of crappy shoulder. Um, that was slowly losing more and more and more like every year losing more flexibility to the point where I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> <You're swimming laughs> this is not okay. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, so like the first like two or three weeks in, I was just wailing on supernatural and, and, and like, then I got bursitis in my shoulder and I was like, Oh no, did supernatural do it? Did I not warm up enough? I mean, it was a combo of things and yeah, supernatural was part of it. Um, I'd got an overuse injury, um, because I was doing like two or three a day and not warming up and, and I was just pushing too hard, but I also was carrying big heavy scuba tanks right on that same joint. So a little acromial joint, subacromial joint. And so whatever happened anyhow um, happened, but I worked through that and now I've got better flexibility in that shoulder, you know, better than it's been in years since I had, I had a little lipoma removed and, and I guess some of the scar tissue locked things in. But now when I put my hands behind my back, they're almost equal, which is different from before. I started Supernatural. So it's really quite a remarkable um, product, fitness product. Um, you know, you know, from, uh, oh, and it also improved the core. So it took what I'd already built with a stealth core trainer and with all those cross body, you know, keep your core tight, keep your core tight. <laughs> I can absolutely feel like my boyfriend comes up and grabs my waist and he's like, wow, <laughs> this is impressive. <laughs> You know, because it's really changed changed me physically, even in just whatever a couple months. Yeah, I've I've come to realize that a lot of people just don't people that aren't you know fitness nuts um, don't really kind of respect the core muscles and stuff like that. And that's where the back nut. pain comes. I mean, from. I was a fitness nut, and I didn't respect the core. <laughs> well, not as much as I should have. I what we take it for granted. To, we take yeah. it, we take our core for granted. And core and back are like used so much like i have this 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 horror because i was a consultant once and i visited this place just tech consultant i was helping this company i remember what i was doing there but some guy was showing me around where they're having problems and like all he did was point at a screen he couldn't have been more than maybe 45 50 um but all he did was just kind of lift his arm point at a screen and then he just goes oh. <laughs> oh and i'm just sitting there like this is you know maybe five years ago and i'm like the f like i'm just in like i had no idea what was going on i just sounded like he was like he was a ghost and i didn't know because it went on so long and he was just like like started to shake and he couldn't move like his back wow. like he tweaked his back right there and i just went and got some help from the next room and like oh he did it again it's happening get him some water and i was just like freaked out because you know he wasn't old at all and Right. And he didn't do it. Like the, the thing he did was like the most mundane thing. He pointed. It's not <laughs> like he tried to pick up a, I don't know, a heavy box without lifting with his legs. And I was like, holy crap. So it's kind of like. Right. I, well, and so, okay. So right along that same line, just last night, uh, my boyfriend and I were watching TV. And I said, since I started doing the supernatural, check this out. And I leaned down and I, and I hinged at the waist and I reached my arms out in front of me and was like picking stuff up. 
I never would have been able to do that before without risking totally getting laid up for a day or two. Hmm. Cause you know, that kind of where you're, mm -hmm. where you're taking all of the weight on your lower back and you reach, like if you bend at the waist and then you reach forward, that's how people usually tweak their backs yep. and, or lift, try to lift when they're hinged at the waist. And, and that doesn't even bother me now. And that's purely because the back and the core are, are the problem the number one problem is, is that people don't consider the two intimately connected and your back and your core are actually part of the same muscle groups. They are all, if you look inside the body, they're not separate groups. They're the same muscle group. And so everything you're doing for your back and your core, you need to just balance it. You need to do both sides because they're two parts of the same armor that's yep. encasing your spinal cord. And they control all of your movements. So it's kind of like they support all of your movements. That that that's the word I meant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny when you hurt a muscle or use a muscle you don't know is there. Like I remember way back when the Wii came out and I tried Wii bowling, <laughs> and then the next morning is like I didn't know I had these muscles because they hurt. And I was like, it is. I wasn't doing anything. This little tiny white controller. Right. It screws you up. So I've you know dabbled in yoga and other things just because like if I can't move my own body. And like, you know, balance in a position. How can I lift a weight or do anything else? Because I'm just terrified of becoming that guy that goes, ooh, when he points at his freaking <laughs> right. computer screen. I'm well, terrified you know, it's, of it. It's, I take care of my, my old dad, my 88-year-old dad now. I'm a primary caregiver. And I watch how, he's, um, how his uh, physical state has declined over the past decade or so. And... I literally build into my workout routine. I watch what's hindering him. Like he's got really <laughs> bad kyphosis, which is a cro like upper cross syndrome, basically. Um, really, really bad. Is. It's when you're hunched over at a computer all the time so oh. much that you're, the muscles in front get atrophied and tight and the muscles in the back, everything gets you locked into that position. So you can't sit up straight and open your arms and chest anymore. Um, and so he's got really bad asthma but he also has this positional situation where he's like hunched over like a little old man. And so if you sit up straight, imagine like right now you both sit up straight and straighten your back out and pull your shoulders back. Think about the nice big breath you get, right? <sighs> <sighs> and you do that. But imagine if you're hunched over and you're trapped in this little teeny kyphotic stance and you can never get a good breath again in your life because you've locked yourself in by not doing the stretches and not being physically fit. Yep. And so I look at all of that and, and I like, I, I literally take my, take my exercise notes from like, <laughs> okay, dad's been complaining about his weak quads. All right. I'm going to do more squats. <laughs> <laughs> Cause he was always very intellectual, but never very into fitness. Um, yeah. and, you know, so he did the kind of weights he'd lift were usually books. Um, yeah. And, when I get older, like, all I want to be able to do is move around. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's Walker dependent, you know, and, and had, had he been more physically, you know, focused on physical fitness at a younger age, would it have gotten so bad? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but I just know that I can see things that I need to do so that I don't end up quite that debilitated at that age. Um, <laughs> You know, and I look at other people who are his same age, who've lived different types of lives. And, um, you know, I try to emulate 
that, you know, like we had a character who lived, we had a bunch of old climber dudes, you know, who are still climbing in their seventies and eighties. Wow. And, um, you know, the flexibility on those guys and even with like full total hips guy named an anesthesiologist named Horm, Tom Hornbein, we're still at the climbing gym and still climbing Mount Rainier, you know, <laughs> stem bullet was like 80 something and he's still cranking it at the climbing gym. Um, you know, Fred Becky was still climbing crazy peaks in his nineties, um, peaks that I couldn't climb in my heyday. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> and he's still tromping up him when he's 90. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, everything I look at today, I mean my my everything has changed. When I was younger, I was looking at fitness as a kind of the fitness being the goal in itself ish or the 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 exp I don't quite know how to describe it right, but now when I work out and every bit of fitness, be it stealth core trainer, be it cycling, be it going for a dive as my exercise, be it supernatural, all of it is an investment in my future fitness. That's literally what goes through my head. This is a future, mm -hmm. this is an investment in myself. I was saying that before Leanne was saying that. <laughs> <laughs> And each, every strike, every stretch, every, you know, time I choose to not eat sugar or not eat the crappy thing and eat the healthy <laughs> thing, those it's, it's gone from a, it's a mindset. It's not a, it used to be a mindset of, um, of, uh, kind of, you know, with withholding something I wanted. Yeah. Deprivation. It used to be a feeling of deprivation and also um like not monk like, but uh devotion, I would say. Deprivation and devotion to this type of activity. And now I look at it differently. Now it's a hundred percent each stroke, each piece of good food I eat, each green, you know vegetable each carrot pulled right out of the ground that i eat i literally see as an investment in my future body not just tomorrow but 20 years down the road and 40 years down the road yeah that's a great mindset to have <clears throat> and it's hard it doesn't happen overnight yeah. <laughs> that's for darn sure. sure but over time but when you find it you find when it when when it finally clicks uh, it 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 changes everything yeah because it's no longer I'm not going to eat that big piece of bread because I'm going <laughs> to deprive myself of that joy so that I can be healthier. You see that mindset? That's, that's a, that's a dysfunctional mindset. Mm -hmm. But if you say, you know what, <laughs> I'm not going to eat that big piece of bread because I simply don't need it. I'm not really hungry. My mouth is just bored. Yeah. And you know what? It's an investment in my future to not eat that piece of bread. Then all of a sudden I turned it into doing something good for myself as opposed to depriving myself. Yeah. Yep. And, and uh, the same thing with the fitness. It's all it, like every, every single bit of it. It's like I play supernatural because it's an investment in my future fitness, not because I have to, or I'm going to get fat. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, I was reading another thing about like, building good habits and stuff like that. And it's one quote that stuck out in this guy's post was like, book i don't remember where i got that but each one was a uh 
each decision you make and you know like eating one cheat meal or one dorito or one big piece of bread or something isn't going to kill you right but right every decision like that is a vote like you know yes. a, a vote like there's a there's a you know 100,000 votes you could do in a week or something like that there's decisions each one is a little <laughs> tiny voice in the direction you want to go so as long as the majority are going the way you want to go a bowl yes, of ice exactly. cream to kill you but each each you know am i going to get up at the first thing in the morning and you know sit on the couch or am I going to get up and, uh, you know, jump right into exercising and get those good votes in earlier in the day. Uh... Well, yeah. I mean, and so take that one step further by all of, so starting. So when I was a surgical tech, being a surgical tech is actually really quite challenging on the body because you're standing for long hours, you're carrying heavy instrument trays, you're carrying heavy instruments, you're twisting a lot. You're It's very physical, actually. People don't see that necessarily. But it pretty much trashed my back along with the rest of my adventurous living. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so every morning I would wake up and I would have to like stretch my back out before I climb out of bed. And it was a process and it was getting to be more and more of a process. But since I've started doing the stealth core trainer, since I um, started doing supernatural and really building up my core and my fitness and eating better and all of this stuff together holistically, I wouldn't say that any one of the things did it by itself, but holistically, I, I can now like literally roll out of bed like the girl in the commercial and start <laughs> playing supernatural. Like absolutely, yes, I can. 10 years ago, I could not have done that. Five years ago, I could not have done that. But now, so it's a really neat situation because a lot of times when you have a chronic pain issue, you're, you feel like you're stuck and it's only going to go down from here and it's never going to be any better. And woe is me. This just sucks ass. I'm, I'm you know, what, what do I have to live for if this is every morning I hurt? Yeah. You know? Um, and so the power in suddenly not feeling that way, um, is amazing. And I think it reminded me of, there was a, and I, and I laughed at it at the time. I'll be completely honest. I thought it was a, the biggest silly thing ever. There was a video about a guy who was in a wheelchair. This is when, you, you know, those nights when you kind of wander down that weird area of YouTube <laughs> and you're like diving down the hole in the internet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And so I don't know what I was looking at, but I saw some Christian video about a guy who had was in a wheelchair and he was kind of what would be considered our age now, looked like he was probably a you know computer dev or something. <laughs> and he was in a wheelchair and he was completely crippled. And then he got off his ass and started doing yoga. And at the end of the video, you see him literally sprinting. You see him doing yoga moves, all sorts, doing handstands and headstands and all this shit. And it took him like three years to get there. He lost like a hundred pounds and, and, and totally looked different at the time. I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Uh-huh. You know, sure. That's how it worked. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm telling you, that's actually how it works. It worked for me. I mean, I wasn't crippled in a in a wheelchair, but I was definitely uh, definitely a chronic pain sufferer. And well, I there's... thought that I was stuck like that for the rest of my life. But the answer is, you don't have to be stuck there. You can improve. Yeah, in any situation, you can always improve to some point. 
Um, and a lot, I think there's like a mind body connection a long time ago. I was dealing with some arm pain and I was like, I what, like trying to, you know, fix my setup and, you know, do the ergonomics uh-huh, thing. Uh-huh. And, uh, I was starting I to Google around. <laughs> What's that? I got a vertical mouse. It saved my arm. <laughs> I got one of those it's lying around here too. I, I, I buy a lot of those. I just haven't used it yet. <laughs> um, but I was just kind of starting to Google, like, this is weird. Like I've been doing, you know, tech things and playing games for ages. And why does it suddenly hurt? And I couldn't figure anything out, but somebody linked this book and I bought it on Amazon for like seven bucks. And it was just called healing back pain. And it just has this guy going over this, these case studies and all this stuff. And um, that's where I got the phrase, you know, technicians for the body. Mm-hmm. But it was literally just like your brain, your, your, could be hiding something from you that you're stressed about and it doesn't think you can handle. So it, your brain can manifest pain. Yeah. yeah like mm-hmm. you, you can cut off oxygen to certain areas. You could do something like that, but basically distract you from realizing something that your, your I don't know, ego or lizard brain, whatever's going on, like doesn't think you can handle. So it's basically just stress. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of the fix was just sort of like the book kept going over these examples. It's kind of got annoying for after a while, but it was like just hammering in your head. Like, if you just kind of say, I know what you're doing, brain, you don't have to do that. Everything's fine. And you repeat that or whatever. It, it totally like all my arm pain went away. Like I couldn't like f- hold my hands and form them around an Xbox controller. I couldn't mm-hmm. put them in the mouse and keyboard position. It's just my whole arms were burning. Reading that book made it go away. And it was a $7 book. Right. And it right. Was just, there's like this connection. Like if you're just stressed, your body can give you cancer. Your body can do anything it wants to because it just freaks out. Oh yeah, for sure. But I mean, that From is, stress. so I'm, but I'm going to play devil's advocate because it's just my nature. Mm-hmm. Could it be that the positions you changed your positions when you're reading the book just enough that you, that you healed the overuse injury that was causing the problem in your neck or something? You could, but like I had just moved into a new uh, job where hmm. I, Oh, it was stressful and stuff. It was stressful. And I had negotiated yeah. like a 70% salary increase. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it was fantastic. But I was like, there was a lot riding on it. Um, yeah. And it was just, it was just pure stress. So I was sitting there redoing my workstation and oh, yeah. I yeah. ordered a bunch of like an ergonomic keyboard, all this stuff. So I was trying to change it. None of, none of it worked. Right. 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 That yeah. book. And it was just sort of like, you know, that makes sense. I mean, there's so there definitely is absolutely a brain. I mean, uh, well, as I stated earlier, having the right hormones and, and made it like someone turned on the lights. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it but is 100% true. The brain, like you can sabotage yourself and like, you know, you're, you're, um, you're, you can be doing, you know, your positions wrong, you're sitting wrong, whatever wrong, and doing yoga and things like that, just strengthening the core muscles that your body needs to move and being okay in your own body. Mm-hmm. I think that's, uh, that's the physical side of the same thing. Like if I can't, you know, point at my computer screen without tweaking. Oh my, my God, back, right? If I can't, you know, like make that, healthy mental decision to get up and do the exercises there's always something you could do better mm-hmm. to fix that too because alongside of this our, our dad used to tell us a story he was in a car accident with a friend of his and i think it's the same one pj correct me if i'm wrong if you remember the story but our dad he was very stubborn and hard-headed um not always in a good way but he mm-hmm. sometimes it was good i think he had a broken ankle from this and he kept trying to walk away from the accident with a broken ankle like walking on it probably falling over but his friend just had like a neck injury, like a whiplash or something like that. But you have a hard headed, stubborn person. Like, you know, I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm just going to walk on a broken ankle. Whereas the other guy, it hurt to move. 
So right. I guess he never really got over it. I don't know if he didn't go to physical therapy or what. And uh, something happened. They lost contact or, you know, he, he met him again like 10 years after they moved away or something like that. And the guy was still like hunched over. He yeah. never, ever yeah. got over the injury. And he said he was like a completely different person. He was just a grump. Yep. And, yep. you know, like life over at that one thing. And it was like his injury was a fraction of the percentage of right. our, our dad's and so injury. Much, there's our, so much mental into it. And like, yeah. I have a similar story. So my dad was in a little rollover accident and I think he busted his elbow or something. And, and so he was in a cast for a while and then he was supposed to do the PT but he didn't want to do the because if like, oh, it hurts, it hurts. Mm -hmm. And finally, one day he went into the doctor, into his physical therapist, and he described her as this very large Brunhilde, like Austrian <laughs> or German woman. And she's like, oh, um, it is too stiff. I am going to fix it for you. And she like literally grabbed it and straightened the whole thing out in one fell swoop. <laughs> and his elbow's fine. <laughs> but he wasn't he was afraid to touch to move it to push it and mm -hmm. i had the same thing when i busted my knee i had a whole bunch of adhesions and and they and so i could only bend it maybe to like i don't know like almost to 45 like so a huge loss of of flexion in my mm -hmm. knee and every time i'd bend it after because i was nine weeks non-weight bearing it was ridiculous but I was like, oh, I can't bend my knee all the way. I'm screwed. I'm like, this is what I'm going to live with for the rest of my life. And then one day I was helping move a patient, a transfer patient after their surgery. And they started jumping around on the bed, like when they're waking up. And I had to move really fast. And so I leapt up onto their stretcher and with my knee was under my body weight, my full body weight. And it went and crushed it all the way into a full flexion, tore up all of the adhesions. And I've never had a problem since, <laughs> but I wasn't going to push it to the point where it needed to be pushed because as humans, we're like, unless we're crazy Arnold Schwarzeneggers, we don't like pain and suffering. Yeah. And that's part, again, back to supernatural. One of the amazing things about supernatural is they actually make pushing yourself really hard, pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also short enough that, that you feel like, I can do this. I can do this for 20 minutes, like call to arms. I can do that. I can, I can do that because I know I can do it for 20 minutes. If someone told me that that was a 30 minute workout, I probably wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. I want that to be my choice. I want it to be my choice to add another seven to 10 minutes off the end of it. But exactly. I think they really <laughs> had something with the shorter, like 18 to 22 minute workouts because I can do anything for 17 or 18 minutes. Mm -hmm. I can suffer through all sorts of hell for 20 minutes. Uh, somehow the idea of suffering through that same hell for 30 minutes sounds horrible. Yeah, it's just like price signs. It's 999 yeah. is way cheaper than $10. Absolutely. So they, they nailed the 999 for yeah. your exercise. I mean, that's the best way to put it. Yeah, it's exactly that. And so yeah. you get on there and you're like looking at those. I don't know if you do it, but I know I definitely like I am. If the songs are even halfway good, I'm like, yes, 20 minutes there. Yeah. I have an hour before I have to get ready for work. So I, that's why I love the shorter ones they've just added. So you can kind of mix oh, and yeah. match your own. Well, just and, how I'm feeling. Cause sometimes yep. I don't want a whole nother, a whole nother 20 minutes. Yep. I think that, I think the shorties were genius. I think yes. they're, cause I was going back and that's what I was doing was using like the getting started workout. Um, mm -hmm. again and again and again is like either a warm up or a cool down for a longer one. 
but it's easier for me to like do the do the high intensity first, even though I should probably do a warm up one. <laughs> but um, I I get the I get the high intensity out of the way first. Yeah. Um, like with call to arms, because oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you do feel like an octopus. The picture oh, was right. Yeah. yeah um, I got to remember to try doing that and glue delicious back to back. I don't know what you guys are. These words are nonsense. I know, right? <laughs> Isn't this great? See, and that's the, best thing, that's the other thing is like they, they made it so that we have like an inside language. Yeah. It's like these are so many these like think about it. That's part of what makes the community so cool is that we all know if I say call to arms, everyone's <laughs> going to cheer. <laughs> you know, it's like having a secret club. It's like we've yep. been initiated into like the Templar Knights or something, except we're the supernatural knights. <laughs> <laughs> we've got our different little lingo that no one else knows and no one else will get. And we all love it. And yeah. yeah. Yo, athlete. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, that was actually going to be my closing for the podcast. <laughs> um, <No. laughs> but speaking of it, unfortunately, we should probably be closing this up. It's almost two hours. Wow. It's, yeah, that went by. Is there any closing thoughts you have, Laura? Anything you want to share that you didn't get to real quick? Or I don't know. I can keep talking for you. I can yap, yap, yap. <laughs> I mean, so could we? Yeah. We'll have to have you on regularly then. Yeah, mm -hmm. there we go. This we can just talk about the talk about the meaning of life and. No, yeah. I just, I, I really, I really can't say enough good stuff about Supernatural. And if people feel like they want more core stuff, I definitely would say take a look at the Stealth Core Trainer because it's so different than just doing a regular plank. It's like night and day. Like if someone says, well, I already do planks. I'm like, trust me, this is different. <laughs> yeah. But I really, if people have back issues, um, I think that both of these things can really they can be life-changing. I mean, they definitely were for me. And it wasn't like I was a fatty, you know, super out of shape. Um, you know, from, from afar, I look pretty, you know, average, average height, average weight, you know, looks moderately fit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but appearances can be deceiving. And I know that, that Supernatural really helped me um, improve my fitness and well-being. And I just hope that it lasts and that people keep, using it and oh i did want to say something about the subscription mm -hmm. because um i know that comes up a ton and i know it came up for me and i was like literally like i i hate subscriptions i <laughs> hate them more than you can possibly believe God like damn netflix uh, oh no i love netflix but that, that, that's different because that started when it was still sending you that was the CD. og subscription yeah that's the og right no i mean like what i mean is like am like um like adobe like Adobe's oh, yeah. shenanigan. I hate Adobe. Hate, 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 hate. You know, like every little yep. thing is another. Like the um, one line. Yeah. But then I was looking at this and I'm like, oh, that 30 days free, that sucked me in. Mm -hmm. And now having done it, you know, whatever it is, 15, 18 bucks a month, like that's a couple cups of coffee. That's a bag of, that's a bag of coffee. And yeah. I mean, literally, many... it's a bag of coffee and we crunch through bags of coffee a week in our house because <laughs> we are coffee drinkers, man, We're coffee drinkers. And so it's like, that's just a bag of coffee. And how many good votes for your future self? And, and it's, a million, it's every yeah. day, every, every, every time I pick up the headset. I mean, it's, it's, it's literally life changing. I mean that I will, I know I say that a ton, but it, it I can't. I can't say it enough. It was life-changing. 
and it made diving easier. It made my fitness better. It made me less embarrassed to like agree to go do a hike or something because I don't feel like I'm going to be the suckiest person on the trail. <laughs> Yeah. But it also, because of the motions, helped strengthen my quads so much that my knee is more stable. So I'm literally just physically, my my back, my core, my abs, my knees, my bum, you know, my weak ankles, everything has just gotten better. And so exercise is the reverser. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's great. It's it's it helps create. I mean, it's not going to make you 24 again, but it can definitely make you feel more youthful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense <laughs> and so i really i you know i i guess i'd close with saying i i recommend anybody give it a try um you know that can and i really think that it really definitely is the perfect storm of awesomeness <laughs> it just is it's just there's I, I don't know. I mean, yes, there's all the little tweaks and all the little things that we can do to make, you know, improvements here and there. And, and, but, but we're gilding a lily. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, we're gilding a lily that it works. It's fun. It's transportive. Um, and, and they're right about not having the clock in there. They are absolutely right about mm-hmm. not having a timer because <laughs> those 20 minutes, I swear, go by in three, <laughs> yeah. maybe five. If I don't like the song. Yeah. Well, it's good you don't have a timer because you could, you know, keep going for a few extra minutes. Like, oh, 22 minutes is up. I'm good. If well, that's the one thing I do want them to add is a repeat song. Yeah. Like, so you do a song and you just love the flow. I want to be able to repeat that song right then, right now, right there. Repeat song. Because <laughs> then you can, like, reinforce the good strikes. And st- All right. You... Very cool. I don't know what I can say there. All right, for <laughs> anyone listening, <laughs> uh, this is a take the stage podcast for the the supernatural community, uh, shining a spotlight on one of the members at a time, getting to know them better. So this was Diver Laura. <laughs> Hi everybody! It was great to be here. I Share hope I didn't lips. talk your ears off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And if you want to hop on the podcast and get the spotlight shown on you, let me know at, I haven't set all this up, at hashtag (laughs) uh, Take the Stage Pod on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you guys again so much. It was so great chatting with you. Yeah, you too. I could keep going and that's rare. (laughs) Well, we'll have to do it again. That's definitely the only time. You're one of my new favorite people. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> you guys are so sweet. You're some of my favorite people too now. I got more virtual friends. Oh, goody. Nice. <laughs> Have um, a great one. Before you go, Laura, can, oh, yeah. we didn't do the intro, so I think we should oh, probably let's do, it. do an intro quick. <laughs> Just pretend you yeah. haven't talked to us yet. <laughs> I haven't talked to anybody. I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, athletes? Welcome to Take the Stage Episode 1 our podcast where we shine the spotlight on a community member of the Supernatural family. I am PJ. I'm Wookie. And our guest and this I'm week Diver is... I'm Diver Lowe. Turn that over. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. No, we're going to share our mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super psyched to be here, guys. This is awesome. I'm super psyched to have you. I'm super psyched to be awake. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Um, so yeah, I'm just waiting to hear back from them. 
were you here for that, Laura, or was I talking to Wookie before you joined? Wookie before I joined. Yeah, I told you we bought the free T-shirt and silicone. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Free, yeah, yeah. They're looking to do more, but they're gonna get back to me. So they're sweet. They're awesome. They I, I love them all. I just like, yeah, that's the best community ever. <laughs> I've sent them. I don't know, like just for the other podcast was forty emails, but I've sent probably twenty with like tweaks for the app and suggestions, and they've they just love hearing it. It's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I. I've been bad about actually sending them to the support you add my, uh, email address, but um, yeah. <laughs> I need to get better about. It. I just throw it out there more because I just <laughs> I try to I try to encourage yapping on the on the page yeah. too. So I just share it to see if I'm totally off base, right? <laughs> yep. Before well, I submit it to them. <laughs> normally, you get <laughs> a lot of agreements. Crazy or what? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't. I I didn't talk to these folks at all besides that other podcast record. So I don't know what they were expecting for this podcast, but just having a genuine conversation with someone like this is really fun. I hope, uh, I hope they dig it. I hope so too. I think they will because um, I I feel like, I feel like since we're not getting together in person so much that little stuff like this uh, Mm -hmm. humanizes and, and definitely does help with isolation. And, and some people them. may just play it in the background and they'll just be yep. like, they have us in their living room. Yapping. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, we'll definitely get back, have you back and get to talking so some more. <laughs> Maybe when I get the, when I start, when I get the next round of uh, the underwater thing, I'll send you the next, oh, I'll send you the next, uh, the next iteration and we can talk about that. Awesome. <laughs> we can even do that on the other podcast since it's VR. So. Oh, <laughs> I'd like to see it too because I was while you were talking earlier when the two of you were going on and on, I didn't know what was going on. So I googled you and I saw some of your YouTube videos with the oh. sunken airplane and like the. Th- I'm like, holy! Like before you said it was a 3D camera rig. I'm like, holy shit! This is in 3D. What the hell? I'm like the, yeah. the camera's like spinning around and I'm like, that looks, that looks awesome. Like now I want to go underwater. And, uh, you know, he's got it on a quest box. there somewhere. So give it a go. <laughs> give it a go and report back. I yeah, I'll find it. I'll give you the link, Wookie. I got it. All right. Well, have a an awesome evening, and we'll probably see you on the Facebook group tomorrow. If not, Why, yes, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna get on and do whatever. Night, <laughs> medium intensity that people are going on about. <laughs> that's that's exactly where I'm headed. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, thanks for hanging out. <laughs> All right, you guys too. Thank you so much. Have a good Anytime. night. Good evening. Take care. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. <laughs>